0: It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the
1: fin side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Also check out our merch store on the The Dolphins wrap up the regular season by getting crushed in Buffalo. Forty-two to seventeen. It just felt like an all too familiar game. The defense completely breaks down. The offense can't move the ball. But unlike that, Paul, at the end of this game, uh some people were fired. So the latest as of this recording, Adam Gase has been fired. We'll talk about some coaching candidates here over the next couple of weeks and what we think of them and a few players, or excuse me, a few coaches that we'd like. Also Chris Greer promoted to general manager and decision-maker. Mike Tannenbaum reassigned. We don't know what that looks like yet, but it's basically a nice way of basically saying he's been fired, but he's not completely out of the organization. We also expect Matt Burke to get fired as well. So kind of an interesting last uh, about 12 hours here, Paul. Uh, What do you make of Adam Gase's removal?
2: Honestly, I mean, this this lines right up with – what I said on our game preview show last week, as far as, you know, you, you get Tana hell, Tannenbaum the hell out of, out of football ops. I mean, I, I was hoping for fired, but if he's just going to sit there and be a translator for Steven Ross on game days, okay. I'm pretty sure Garfinkel doesn't have anything for him to do over on his side. Uh, but, you know, but it, it, it's, I'm good with Gates being fired. I'm good with Greer being promoted. It, it, it's, I think that is a big win. I, he's a guy that has put a lot of talent on this roster, whether they got hurt or they got misused, which there was way too many themes along those lines as we went through the season or really the past few seasons where players just constantly were being misused or not used or or what have you. So yeah, Gase being gone is a great thing, uh, which is unfortunate because he really has the promise. He just couldn't figure it out and put it together.
1: Yeah, and I could even let go the play calling that we've complained about a lot in the show because I I can understand that maybe on offense the talent was so bad and his play calling made it worse. But if you get better talent, that'd be one thing. But what I can't ignore, though, is over the last two years, I mean, you look at Jay Ajayi and Jarvis Landry and Jordan felt these kind of big mouth personalities who show the ability to perform on the field, maybe not Phillips so much, but he can't work with these people and you can't just get rid of every talented player. That's got a little bit of an attitude problem. And it seemed to be a common theme. And then also it seems like this group wasn't too, you know, wanting to play with him either. So the the big thing about being a leader is you have to have some people that are going to follow you.
2: Yeah, and, and on top of that, it felt like once you were Adam Gase's pet, you you could do anything if you were staying in the lineup, if if you were, you know, with good and bad results. I mean, Frank Gore was a good one, but, you know, Ted Larson was not, and, you know, you can go up and down the roster with, with, with players like Danny Amendola that were kind of Gase's pet players, and... You know, I'd be frustrated, too, if it's like, well, I outperform this guy every day in practice, but he's the one that's going to play because you you like him better and you guys make sandwiches together and sit together at the lunch table. You know, yeah, what, what the hell? I want to win.
1: Yeah, and there should be no more frustrated of a player than Kenyon Drake. I mean, Kenyon yeah. Drake finishes the year, and we'll get into this in a bit, is he finishes the year with... Uh, over a 1,000 total yards, which is a miracle given that this guy averaged less than 11 touches a game. How you get to that Miami miracle game and then give, the, give him the ball, give him 14 touches over the following two games is mind-blowing to me. And Drake got more, was more involved in the passing game, and he had, I, I believe, a little bit over 100 total yards in this Buffalo game here too. So you're exactly right, Paul. It, it reminds me back five years ago when Joe Philbin I I mean that that's kind of the level we've gotten to now is comparing him to Joe Philbin is Daniel Thomas it seemed like he could do no wrong Daniel Thomas would be getting 20 touches a game and Lamar Miller would be buried on the depth chart
2: yeah and and you know Chris Greer does have a mountainous task in front of him and I want to level set for a lot of fans out there the one thing that I will tell you uh, and this is still a good thing that Greer is calling his own shots, getting his own coaches in, et cetera, is you're not going to see a Bill Cower come out of retirement to report to a general manager. And that's okay. It's you're not going to see one of these big name guys come out of retirement for that. Now, ideally, what I would love to see would be, you know, you look at yesterday's game. Gase did not have the players on his side. He couldn't motivate these players. It was painfully obvious in so many games throughout the last couple of years even when they came out as flat as they did every every week. And I get it on a lot of levels. You, you need somebody who's going to light a little bit of a fire under their ass. And I know they've talked to guys like Mike – or requested to talk to guys like Mike Munchak, uh, the enemy from the Chiefs. Um, Help me out here, Cat. I'm blanking on a couple of the other names, which I know we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get Eric to. Eric
1: Biennemi, Mike Munchak are two names that are being thrown out, thrown around oh, a lot. Fangio. Vic Fangio and the Bears would, would be an interesting one. Uh, Bob Witt, our, our Bears correspondent, raves about this guy. And it's, it's a player, it's or it's a coach that the Dolphins have, have looked at a couple of times as a defensive coordinator. And... I think that's the route the Dolphins may need to go in this situation because the last two have been offensive coordinators who were first time head coaches. I don't know if they'd go down the route again of hiring an Eric B. Enemy type. Um, you know, I think defensively another name that I want to keep an eye on is George Edwards, who actually used to work for the Dolphins a few times, has be became a very good defensive coordinator with them too. So we'll go over we'll go over a lot of names here in the upcoming weeks. But to go back on Chris Greer, yeah, Chris Greer is the one person in this whole train wreck that I did want to see come back. And I'm glad that Steve Ross, at least right now, to me, has made the appropriate move. That, because this is somebody who you would think is going to prioritize the draft, and he's going to stockpile more draft picks. And you look at the last three years, he's had more hits than misses, and that's all I can ask for out of a GM that specializes in the draft.
2: Yeah. And, and the other thing I want to point out too, is it, it sounds like Ross for the first time in all of this is getting the hell out of the way and letting football people do the football job, you know, which I know sounds a little basic, but really it's it's important. Steve Ross, he's a huge fan of the dolphins. He wants them to win as bad as any of us. If, if not more than a lot of us, I mean, it, it's, he wants this team to win, make no mistake. And and him getting out of the way until he needs to step in is the appropriate thing right now. He just needs to be a fan that, that's that's got a lot more expensive season tickets than the rest of us do, but a lot better access. That's what he needs to be. And he needs to let Chris Greer do his job. Now, for me, and I realize this probably will never happen, but – I know Rex Ryan's campaigning for, for either the Dolphins or the U.M. job. There's no indication that the Dolphins want to talk to him. But, God, if, if Miami could get Rex as a defensive coordinator with the talent that they have on defense, e- even before the offseason and the draft, talent that's under contract for next year, and a lot of these guys are on rookie deals and controllable contracts, oh, my God, Rex Ryan as a defensive coordinator could do some amazing things. And And the big thing with that, though – is you need a big enough ego that it can keep Rexes in check as the DC. I mean, let's face it, it, it Rex is going to eat up anybody that's not a strong-willed head coach and, and basically take over take over for him if they don't keep him in line. And I'm okay with that. I want strong leaders on this on this coaching staff. I don't want any right. more of this pussyfooting around thing. So him under like a Bruce Arians would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you bet. I mean, Rux Ryan, is defensive coordinator, he would become like the head coach of that defense. I mean, players mm-hmm. would gravitate toward him. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. We've, you, just like you said, it's interesting though, because based on the the way that his schemes run, he puts a lot of pressure on his secondary and he tends to get the pass rush from blitzing a lot. And if you look at the roster and, You know that we anticipate Robert Quinn maybe not being here, Cameron Wake maybe not being here. That pass rush has to come from somewhere, and the secondary could potentially hold up as long as they get Xavier Howard back uh, next year and healthy, which he's going to be. He's under contract, so he'll be back. So, yeah, that that would be an interesting thing. You and I would like it more than about 95% of people for that very reason. I don't have a problem with Rex Ryan's personality. I like big mouths as head coaches because – The way he talked about the Jets, they went out there and backed it up a lot of times because of what he said. We need more of that than somebody just shrugging their shoulders and looking at the floor during a press conference like a certain someone. But, Paul, to switch just a second here, this side of Jonathan Martin, is there a bigger weasel on the planet than Mike Tannenbaum?
2: Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one. I mean <laughs> <laughs> maybe Josh McDaniels. Uh
1: oh, oh definitely, definitely, definitely. And, and and he's not allowed on any coaching search conversations look, on, on this and, show. And
2: I just need the soapbox for like twenty seconds here. No. If you are listening to this show right now and you want Josh McDaniels to be the next head coach, offensive coordinator, I don't give a damn. Please just turn it off, unsubscribe, just 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 stop just please stop. Don't comment. Just quietly go off into the night, turn in your fan card, whatever it is. Josh McDaniels lost the Denver locker room before he even started as a head coach. So just, just don't even do that. Just, just, just unsubscribe. We'll miss you. Not really. Have a good day. All right. Back to you. Kay.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty much it. I mean, and look, I'm kind of exaggerating and the the reason I say that about Tannenbaum is 2015, he comes in as a consultant. And basically comes in here and undercuts everything Dennis Hickey was doing. And look, I'm not saying Hickey would have been a good general manager. He was like their eighth choice. But look at general managing, I mean, that was the year they got Brandon Albert. They got Jarvis Landry. They got Juwan James. I mean, they, they had a pretty good off season, And they went 8-8 eight and eight that year, which is one of the best seasons that they've had in the last decade. So, but... Then he says to Steve Russ, hey, uh, I don't think Hickey's capable of doing the job. As your consultant, I'm going to consult with myself and say that I'm the one that needs to do the job effectively. Wow. How convenient for Mike Tannenbaum.
2: It it gets worse from there, though. That's not even the greasiest part of it all. He set himself up where he could take all the credit for anything good and pass all the blame for anything bad. And just literally exist and do no wrong as far as it looked to his superiors. It, it was an amazing slimeball, political BS move. I mean, this man needs to run for Congress.
1: He, he is a he is a sniveling little rat. And, you know, I don't know where he's reassigned to, but it's not in a weasel's DNA to sit still for very long. So I'm just kind of wondering where he's going to poke his head up next. Uh, so anyway – Mike Tannenbaum just you know manage the prices of the beer and the garlic fries and that's that's you know, but that's Garfinkel. He does a great job of that. He's not even qualified for that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I, so long as Tannenbaum's not touching anything important with my team, I I I don't care. Just get him the hell away from the football side of the field and and let Tom Tom Garfinkel will put him in check. Make no mistake, Tom is a fun guy. But you know what, I I get the feeling that when push comes to shove, he can kind of cut through the BS. And that is not a comfortable place for a weasel to be.
1: That's correct. And I tell you what, any uh, combination of Tom Garfinkel, Dan Marino, and Chris Greer working together, I think is a good thing. And it might be the first time in a long time I look at the top people in the organization and say, I like these guys. And I think they're mm-hmm. good at what they do. Marino, I mean... Marino's just kind of nice to have around. I don't know how much he contributes, actually, but he's a good figure to obviously have in the room. He's obviously taking in a lot and learning a lot of different parts of the business. But Garfinkel, if he gets involved in a little bit more administrative stuff, which I believe he is, these days I think that's a good thing too. So anything else you want to add on here before we take a quick stinky dive here into the Bills game?
2: Well, if it keeps us from talking about the Bills game, I'm 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 going to talk all day. Just, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It's, it. It was embarrassing.
1: And if you look at it too, as far as you know, like you said before, Paul coming out flat in the last two road games against the Vikings and the Bills, the Dolphins were outscored in the first quarter, thirty-five to nothing. What what more can you say at this point? And Matt Burke. Obviously thinks nothing's wrong with with his defense here too. So Josh Allen now has 234 rushing yards in two games against the Dolphins. I will promise you that you could get a live body that comes in here uh, or not a live body that comes in here. You could put a weekend at Bernie's kind of looking dude in in the, the press box, and he would be able to stop that more effectively. So this wide nine scheme doesn't work. It didn't work in this game. They let up 42 points to a Bills team that shouldn't really be able to score Let's uh, start at the quarterbacks, Bob Paul. Obviously, a terrible game for Ryan Tannehill. Two interceptions. Nobody's getting open all day. Quickly, you're great.
2: I'm going to give him a D minus. And the only reason it's not an F, despite numerous screw-ups, is the receivers did not help him out in this game. It's Every time I looked down the field, I couldn't find a receiver that was open. And Jesus. I mean... Jesus, like, can can somebody get open at some even, – even when Tannehill had like four and a half seconds on a couple of plays, nobody got open. Holy crap. I, I don't know what gives.
1: The, the amazing thing is at receiver, with all the resources the Dolphins have put in there, we've had a lot of injuries. And, yes, Albert Wilson and, Br- and Jakeem Grant are out. But they still should have enough talent with Stills, Parker, Amendola, and Gesicki based on how they felt on them before the year that they should at least be able to get open now and then. They can't and nothing is a bigger reflection on Mike Tannenbaum than how badly this receiver group turned out once Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant left the lineup. Wilson still has more receiving yards in the air than DeVonte Parker and Grant almost does, which shows how bad that this turned out. So, I'm going to do a few different things here. Let's uh let's jump to the to the receivers and and tight ends, real quick. We'll go back to running back. Nobody F. got open, just very quickly. Are we gonna are we gonna go ahead? I'm gonna give uh, Tannehill a D minus with you. I, I'm gonna go with a D minus two for for the receivers.
2: F for the receivers. Completely F for the receivers.
1: Yeah, we don't 100%. have to go any further. Uh, but let, let's let's pause for for a minute here on what we talked about. Tannehill. Now, do you feel any differently from last week about what you think is going to happen with Ryan Tannehill in the off season?
2: Right now, no, but I'll put an asterisk next to it because in reality, I think no decision should be made until a head coach is in place and gets his chance to put his weight into what he wants to do as far as any player goes. Um, And Tannehill is a big part of that. And whether it's he wants to keep Tannehill until they groom somebody, they get in the draft. But again, quarterback is not a position that you replace until you have a better option to put in place. And with this broken ass scheme that they were running on both sides of the ball. Um, no, I don't feel different on Tannehill yet, even though it was a pretty atrocious game.
1: Yeah, we're going to disagree with about this all off season and that's, fine. Uh, that's I, fine. I think you need, I think you need to get rid of Tannehill first and you need to put a, someone in place later. I, I don't think there's anything that can't be approved, improved upon. I mean, They're last in just about every category. They don't move the ball. And the guy, frankly, has outworn his welcome here. Any change to me is a good change. I hope that Chase Daniel shakes loose from the Bears this offseason, at least for a decent holdover. Uh, Receivers, uh, I want Danny Amendola cut. I want Devontae Parker cut. I think you could come back next year with Wilson, Stills, and Grant and have a decent top three receiving group. That's not costing you a whole heck of a lot of money. Cutting Parker and Amadola would save the Dolphins about $15 million. I would certainly be willing to do that. Um, so let's go back to the running back spot. Like we said, Kenyon Drake got more involved, thankfully, basically because he had to. Kalen Bellage had 11 carries for, I believe, 43 yards. But in the Wildcat, he had some success there. And then on another play, he took a snap, put it right back on the ground, fell down. And the Bills recovered it for yet another turnover. So, you know, Drake played pretty well. Belage, when he didn't fumble, played pretty well, but nothing, nothing too special here. I'm going to give the unit a C plus.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm with you on that. I'll, I'll go B minus just because the one one of the very few shining spots in this game was Kenyon Drake absolutely dropping the truck stick on uh, Tre Davis White out in the flat. I mean, he, he just murdered that guy. I mean, oh my God. And that was an exciting one for me. And and really I do like the promise of them being a combo for next year, uh, whether Gore is back or not. I, I really think Drake and Belage would be a good combo. And, and one thing I do want to throw back to the receivers on as well, another nail in the coffin for Gase for me yesterday was watching him, have nick o'leary try to one-on-one block jerry hughes repeatedly and not understanding that that was a problem i mean i love nick o'leary but jesus
1: yeah and i got i've soured on nick o'leary a lot but not for this reason i mean I, i i just don't think you can put somebody out there who's a granted a very very good blocker at tight end but A guy that catches one pass every four games, I mean, that starts to get to the point where I'm like, why don't you just put another offensive lineman out there? That would make more sense. But, uh, yeah, uh, and I got news for you, too. I mean, we talked about it last week. They were doing the same thing last week with O'Leary and Durham Smythe against Calais Campbell. Um, Now, it's one thing. I've seen tight ends block premier defensive players, but it's for a second or two. It's on a quick pass. Or it's when yeah. you know you, you do that, and then you've got the running back who's behind him, you know, helping out there. That allows the other offensive linemen to focus on on other defenders. But that's not what we saw here. We saw Nick O'Leary on a five-step drop, legitimately for a long period of time, trying to block Jerry Hughes over and over again. You can't fault O'Leary for that. I mean, that's that that that's yeah. So. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I'd I like to see somebody not do that next year, whoever the coordinator is. So right, I'm not sure even what position we were on anymore. Uh, running back. Okay, we, just did, we just
2: did running backs.
1: Yeah, so let's move on to the offensive line. Um, you know, I thought I thought James and, and Tunzel played like their normal selves in this game when they were actually allowed to block defensive ends. Um, yeah. The interior of the line since the beginning of the Vikings game has been Absolutely terrible. And the thing that kills me, too, Paul, is that it's not like, I mean, if just once, one year, can you actually have the strategy be on the interior of the line to hike the ball and form a wall for pass protection, not this handoff bullshit that you see all the time? For example, Jesse Davis, a right guard, he didn't get overpowered on, on one of these sacks, uh, by, I, I think it was Kyle Williams in his final game, I can't remember, but uh, he he blocks him, he blocks him fine, and then he's supposed to hand him off to Travis Swanson. Well, Travis Swanson gets bum-rushed, and he can't pick that up, which tends to happen well, a lot. I mean, just block the guy in front of you, please.
2: Well, Swanson, and here's here's part of the problem there, too, is Swanson was over helping Ted Larson, who... who- who can't block anybody on Twitter, let alone on a football field. Uh, So he's trying to hand him off to the guy that's already trying to keep Larson's dude from crippling Ryan Tannehill. And it's just a mess. It it is just a mess in between Tunsil and James. And, and, you know, they've got some options. They don't use them. Hopefully the next head coach will. Uh, D for me only because Tunsil and James don't deserve an F.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll stick with the D, two, And, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to getting Josh sitting back next year. They better not release him. I still think he'll only be 32 next year. I could see him playing a couple of more years at a high level, especially better than what we've seen. And I think Jesse Davis at right guard, even though he's had some bad games, I think there might be something to develop there. I like him a little more than I thought I would. That error there, I don't even know if it was a mistake on him, but it should not be this complicated. To pick up a to pick up somebody that's coming at you, block the guy in front of you. It's not. I'm telling you, say it all the time. Football's not that hard. Like, and the Dolphins as, make as, it so so hard.
2: As a front seven guy, it it, it isn't. It, it, it is not hard <laughs> if you get appropriate coaching. I mean, I you can see it down at the youth levels even if you get somebody that coaches even decent strategy for an offensive line. It's not complicated at all.
1: It is when you have stupid idiots, Uh, but anyway, a lot of those guys are out, so let's uh, move on to the defensive side of the ball. It was pathetic over there, too. Again, this is a perfect game uh, example of a game where the wide nine doesn't work. Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn are trying to get to the quarterback. Josh Allen immediately steps up, and he either throws the ball or he outruns the linebacker for a first down, and that's exactly what happened in this game, too. Uh, you know, Davin Gotcha, I think, is a pretty good keeper for next year. Akeem Spence, if you want to keep him, I, I could take him or leave him. But if you want to have him as a, say, for example, a fourth defensive tackle and for depth, I think there could be some value there. If you if you release an Akeem Spence, I think you're going to be trying to replace him with an Akeem Spence. So that's why I give two thoughts to that. Charles Harris continues to be an embarrassment, um, just can't set the edge can't locate anything just is lost out there. I hope his scheme fit is going to be a little bit different for him too because whatever he's doing is just flat out not working there. Not a lot of pressure here uh from the front four. Jerome Baker was the only one who had a sack <clears throat> in this game none from the defensive linemen. Um so uh, I'm going to go ahead with a C minus for the D line.
2: Yeah, Charles Harris is definitely going to have to adjust schematically to either the Arena League or the CFL I think next year. Um, he just doesn't belong on an NFL field at this point. And I don't think the scheme matters. If he's on the field, you're wrong. It's simple as that. Um, I do, I do like that Miami's getting Vincent Taylor back next year to pair with Davin Gotchow. It makes things a lot easier along the interior of that line because now you're, you're looking for depth, not starters, which is helpful. But it's, And a lot of it's going to depend on what scheme the new coaching staff wants to utilize because, obviously, the wide nine hasn't been working here. But, yes, they, uh, I'll go with a C- for the D-line. I don't think they were necessarily the problem on the day except when Charles Harris was on the field.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and I think with Gotcha and Taylor, you, you may be able to get them in there and play well, especially with a defensive coordinator. If you get another defensive tackle and you move gotcha down to your second guy, Akeem Spence down to your fourth, Vincent Taylor to your third. That could have a real domino effect on your inside pass rush push. So that, that'll bear watching yeah. in the off season too. Yeah, let's move on to linebackers here. Jerome Baker did get a sack early on and then gave up a big pass play that I think has more to do with the scheme. Basically Josh Allen's running at him and Baker is just completely frozen as to what to do, whether cover whether go get Allen or cover the running back. I've got news for you, young guy. Do one of them. Don't just stand there. (laughs) And that's exactly what he did. Overall, I still like Jerome Baker. He finishes the year with three sacks and I think two uh, two interceptions or one interception and a touchdown. So uh, you at least know something is there, and I think he's more of today's NFL linebacker. He can cover a lot of ground. Raekwon, I, I'll tell you what, I think Raekwon McMillan, as a two down linebacker, has played a lot better here in the second part of the year. And I, I like him in that role. The big problem, and I've reached this point, Paul, I don't want Kiko Alonso on the team anymore. I want him no. gone. It is, I mean, I, and I tweeted this, and then I came back to, to eat my words on the second player I'm going to mention, but I, I tweeted Kiko Alonso and Rashad Jones, it seems like they <laughs> guess all game, and they guess wrong all game two. Now, after that, Rashad Jones has a pick six, so he's off the hook a little bit, and he's got some built-in excuses as well. But Kiko Alonzo, if you want to see how bad this guy is, watch Josh Allen's 25-yard run in this game, and you'll see Kiko go at him and just run completely around him, like just ushering him. Then he gets his usual two 15-yard penalties. I'm done with him. I'm going to give this unit a C-minus as well.
2: I think overall we've been done with him. I mean, we we kind of flirted with the idea of not being done with him early in the season and then went, nope, <clears throat> no, we're good, go away. And he just hasn't. He just continues to hurt this team. And for every big play he makes, he makes two worse ones uh, the other direction. So, yeah, it, it's you might be able to get something returned return for him in trade because he does have some statistics. And somebody might glow over the potential of you know getting a linebacker that makes a few big plays, even with some boneheaded ones, and shows some tasteful side boob at all times. But (laughs) not me. The defense looked better with Mike Hall in there, and that tells you everything you need to know about Kiko Alonso. I'll go with a C for the linebackers. There were some bad angles, but there's a lot to like in the two young kids.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And Mike Hall is who he is. I mean, if if you get a – if there's a guard that gets to the back hall, it's over. But then again, it's the same thing with Kiko, too. So really not a big difference there. And Hull can play special teams. Kiko can't do any of that. Really, other than getting a few big plays, I don't see a lot of what he can do. Uh, moving along here, secondary, Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTyre I thought, struggled a lot. Not too far from the ball. and It wouldn't surprise me if we look at them, especially Armstrong, next year or the year after and say, you know what? they're starting to jump routes a little bit more. They're a little bit quicker on this too and they've got a better defensive coordinator. So, but did not get the job done in this game. Uh at the safety spot, Rashad Jones had his pick 6 by far his best game of the year other than the Titans game. Not a surprise given that wow, uh this is what happens when you let Rashad Jones blitz every now and then, play closer to the line of scrimmage and jump routes. Uh yep. so good for him. As, again, I'm going to park what I've said about him earlier in this year. He should be back next year. Minka, I thought, wasn't really thrown too much all game. Not a surprise. I think he'll continue to be a star. But those the young cornerbacks, not up to par in this game here too, but not terrible either. I'm going to go with a C plus.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with a B minus. I B-. I didn't hate what I saw. I saw a lot of flashes from, from McTyre and from, from Cornell in this game. I thought Bobby played well before he got hurt um and really it's something that you know i've been saying all year it's getting tj mcdonald off the field and letting minka play that deep safety role lets rashad go from being just a joe somebody to mr jones and it's huge the things he can do when he's allowed to play the role that he fits in are special And, again, it was another misuse of personnel by this coaching staff, the way that they deployed him and T.J. McDonald and Micah Fitzpatrick, uh, especially when everyone was healthy earlier in the
1: year. Yeah, and, uh, man, when Matt Burke says, I challenge anybody to call out anything with my scheme, that's what I'm calling out, idiot.
2: (laughs) How long has he got?
1: Here's a guy, the, the balls it takes to play Rashad Jones as a deep free safety when we've seen what he's good at. And then go get, getting in front of a microphone and saying, I challenge anybody to say to uh to tell me what's wrong with my scheme. How about in week one in the first drive of the game against the Vikings, where Stefan Diggs runs right by three guys who aren't even defending anything and yeah, it's 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 pathetic. Anyway, we're getting a little long winded here. Special teams, I'll tell you what, Matt Hawk has muffed and has shanked way too many punts for my liking over the last several weeks. I don't want him back next year if this is going to be a common thing for him. He, he has incredible talent, but there are too many times where these 20- 20 or 25-yard punts make can make the difference in a game.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost curious. It, it looked like he was trying to kick the ball higher than it, he was further in in this one and and it almost felt like a design to try to not outkick the coverage. I'm I'm not 100% sure here. I think there's a little more fact finding to have. So I I'm willing to sit back and wait and see. Uh
1: I'm not. Uh I'm I want to I'm not accepting a 25-yard punt uh, under any circumstances. If something's in his head then he needs to get it corrected. That so overall for special well, it, teams it was,
2: if if it's coaching and not pl- the player though, if the coach is telling him to go out and kick it as high as he can, how far it goes be damned, you know. Which I don't agree with, but if that's the case, I'm not going to fault the player.
1: Yeah, I and I don't know if that's I don't it's it's a good theory. I don't know if it's true though because yeah I, I don't see any situation where Darren Rizzi is accepting a 25-yard punt. Like I mean, anyway, we can talk about that another time because we can. There are a lot of things yeah. we could complain about, none of which right now should be the punter. Uh so overall my great special teams is a C.
2: Yeah, I'll stick with you on that.
1: Uh that's uh, your jackass of the game, and who uh, should uh be on the Coke bus this game?
2: Man, my jackass and Coke bus. We're we're really we're really going with positivity oh, uh, here. Huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, D- double down. So <laughs> star of the game and Coke bus player of the game. <laughs>
2: Start of the game, I'm going to throw that to uh, Rashad. That pick six was huge in this one. Really, really ridiculously huge. And, you know, I know he was out for the second half, but it was good to see him doing some special Rashad-like things again that only he can do. Uh, As far as my Coke bus player of the game, it's not a fair one in this case, and there's there's a lot of options here. Uh, I was tempted to go with Charles Harris, but really – as as unfair as this is going to be, I've got to go with Nick O'Leary in this one. Uh, even though he was trying his ass off to do what was asked of him, the fact that he was getting smoked repeatedly by Jerry Hughes, it, it's heartbreaking. Uh, but, yeah, he
1: belongs on the Coke bus after that. And my player of the game, because I don't like picking the same one as as you do, it was harder than this one. I'm going to go with Minka, given the circumstances. He wasn't thrown out a lot. He's always around the ball. I'm just really intrigued at what this guy is going to bring to the table here over the next couple of years. Coop yeah. Plus Player of the Game. Got to go with. There's so many players to choose from, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. Again, I mean, two interceptions early on, and I'll tell you what, we didn't get to it, but. Danny Amendola was interfered with on the first one, so I I give him that. But he was also – he missed a lot of receivers in this game, didn't see them, and he comes away with two interceptions in the the contest. They just can't move the ball with him, and I think this – if the last couple weeks haven't been a nail in the coffin, this one should be. So be sure to tune in over the next several months. This is when Paul and I – I'm not going to say turn it up a notch like I did last week, but this is where we start – Really digging in and doing a lot of work here. That that a lot of podcasts. I'm not going to say they don't do them, but uh, I think we may just be a little bit of the head, head of the curve as compared to some of them out there as far as our coverage. Some of might disagree, and there's some there are a lot of good ones out there too. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're not hard to find, merch store, on fitside.threadless.com We'd love to hear from you guys here and what your thoughts should be on the off season. And if it is not on the right side and it's not on the left side for the final time this year in the regular season, it is on the Fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left
0: side or the right side, and it must be the Fin side, it ain't the left, left side, side. for the right, right. right side, and it must be the fifth line. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.